Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I came to preach this morning and I need you to help me preach today. Do we got any preaching helpers in the house today? Come on. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. We're going to close out our series. I'm going to preach a two-hour message in 30 minutes, I promise. Give me a 30-minute 30 30 countdown. It's not running. Even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul is sharing with us a moment in his life where he felt so weak and he was asking God for something. And God's answer to him is this, my grace is sufficient. I can't imagine that the Apostle Paul was experiencing this and did not remember what happened to the one that gave him grace, which is Jesus Christ. And so that's why we can read in Luke chapter 22, where it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. And knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So God tells the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient. And then you reflect back on what happened to Jesus. And it's really similar because so many times Jesus came back and uh, the Bible says he will return back to pray the same prayer. And the prayer was this, God, pass this cup, if you will. And it's so good and reassuring to know that Paul was able to reflect back on Jesus and say, if Jesus can do it, so can I. Because the grace that Jesus is giving me allows me to overcome anything that I am going through. This is why Paul now in Romans says, Romans chapter 12, it says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Man, I want you to look at a person next to you. I want you to let them know the title today's message. Let, let them know the title. What do you do when God says no? Woo! How exciting is that message, huh? I was an, I thought about that myself. 
What do you do when God says no? Amen? Amen? <laughs> let's, let's join in prayer. God, we thank you because you're going to speak today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a praise in this house. What do you do when God says no? Um, there's so many things that I enjoy doing in life. Uh, I enjoy being the husband to my beautiful wife. I enjoy communicating. I enjoy uh, ice cream. And I enjoy preaching. I enjoy communicating. Uh, there's, there's, there's something that I don't like to do, and that's called driving. <laughs> I, 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 I can't stand driving. Driving, I do not like driving. As a matter of fact, I will do anything in my power to ensure that I'm not going to be driving. If you are rolling with me and you have a license, matter of fact, if you just have a permit, I might let you drive my car to wherever we're going. I have met people in, in one week, and I'm like, you drive? You can take us to where we're going. You trust me with your car? No, I just don't like driving. And uh, I, I absolutely don't like driving, and and, and the truth is, I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at driving. And there are people that I've never heard pray fire to come down from heaven until they stepped into my car and saw me drive. <laughs> simmer down now, simmer down. Absolutely. I mean, they call down every angel. They call down Gabriel. They call down fire from heaven when they step. I've never seen Zacharias pray until he stepped into my car. He said, man, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus. How? Well, it wasn't in an altar call. It was in a car with Pastor Rowe driving. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like driving. And, and recently, you know, my wife has, she has her license and she's been driving for a year now, right? So you guys remember she was, like, my wife for a long time, she didn't even want to get her license because she was like, no, because the moment I get my license, that means you're never going to drive again and I'm going to have to be your chauffeur every single place we go. And I was like, I know, it's okay, though. You can get your license. And uh, she's been driving now for about a year. And um, uh, in a year that she's been driving, oh, my goodness. Like if there's, I don't know, I think we need to have a deliverance session for, for, for passenger drivers. It, this is not cool. Like if you are not driving the car and you are in the car, just sit down. Shut up. You're allowed to pray. You're allowed to put on worship, but don't talk to me. And, and I promise you, like, the soundtrack in my car is, ah, baby, oh, my God, the car. Which one, the one two miles away or the one right in front of us? Oh, my God, baby, oh, my God. She's holding the ceiling. Oh, my God, baby, stop. Oh, what happened? I said, get a hold of yourself, woman. I've been driving like this for 18 years. That's the soundtrack to my car. And, and you know, she, you know, but I, I give her, you know, I understand what she's going through. She's like, she's still new to driving, so she still thinks the yellow light is to slow down. And I'm trying to teach her that means to hurry up. She still thinks that the HOV lane is for three passenger, and I'm trying to teach her, no, that's the express lane when you're late for work. She's like, yo, Pastor Ro, that's a sin. No, I'm with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to the HOV lane. Try to explain that to a cop. He goes, okay, I'm going to give a ticket to each and every one of you. Here you go. One, two, three. I, I, I absolutely detest 
driving. I detest driving with a backseat driver. I promise you, the other day, I promise, like, she's such a backseat driver. The other day, I was coming out of a parking spot, and she goes, baby, you got to put the car in reverse. <laughs> what? I've been driving for 18 years. Girl, do you know I know to put the car in reverse when I want to reverse? She's like, oh, my God, I'm bad. I say, yeah, that's what I got to go through. And so, like, I, I detest driving, detest driving with passenger drivers. Um, I said, you know I drive by myself, right? And I, I arrived to, I haven't been in an accident for 10 years. Come on, somebody. 10 years. I'm just saying, before those 10 years, I've been driving for 18 years. I'm just saying. You do the math. But I also detest car trouble. I, I don't know about you, but when I'm driving... The worst thing in the world, I, I'd rather go through any kind of trouble except car trouble because I don't know about you, but I don't know anything about cars. And so um, when I have car trouble, it's like whatever my check was for that week, see you later. It's going to the car. Oh, you got, you got to do your brakes, and because you got to do your brakes, you got to do your rotors. And because you got to do your rotors, you got to do your alignment. And because you got to do alignment, all right, God bless you. $700 right there. Gone. Car trouble, right? And, but, but, but I don't know how to do anything else other than replace a flat. I know how to change a tire. And, and, and I know how to change a tire. And, 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 and what I've realized is I've become really, really good at replacing a tire. Like, I'm a pro. You, you need a tire replaced, you can call the towing company. Don't call me. But I'm just saying, I'm really good at replacing spare tires, but I'm not really good at driving the steering wheel. And, and you know what I realized this week, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what, it's crazy because I'm good at changing the spare tire, but I'm really bad at driving. And I had this thought, I think many times we have become really, really good at praying as a spare tire instead of allowing prayer to be our steering wheel. Did you catch that? I think so. We've become really good at allowing prayer to be our spare tire, a moment of our emergency. Uh, when, when something goes wrong, prayer has become our spare tire. But in fact, prayer ought to be our steering wheel, directing our lives, leading our lives, moving our lives. Uh, uh, navigating our lives when the Holy Spirit says turn left you turn left when you see the stop sign you you hit the brake you use the steering wheel to direct the direction of the car and that's the same way God wants us to operate in prayer that prayer is not meant to be a spare tire I need someone to hear me today prayer is not meant to be a spare tire it's meant to be your steering wheel can someone give God some praise in this house and as we close out this series in prayer as we close out this series, I think that we hear so many messages. My God, we heard so many messages on prayer. This is our sixth week on the topic of prayer. And, and I just feel this, this thought that we cannot move forward or we cannot close this series without talking about this one thing. Uh, because I, I, just, I just believe that God answers prayers. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those crazy guys that I believe that God answers prayers. I really do. I, I believe that God answers prayer. I believe sometimes we're here and we're asking God, God, why you don't answer me? God is saying, I do answer you. The problem is, hear me, the problem is that God's answer is not always yes. If you're a Patriots fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Are they looking? Are they looking? God's answer is not always yes. God says, I will answer you. I will speak to you. But my answer will not always be yes. It might be yes sometimes. It might be maybe or it might be wait a while. Or it might be no. Did you know that God might tell you no? It's not that he won't answer you. It's just that he's letting you know no. I, I think we could have church services off of sermons, uh, 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 experiences where God says no. I think we have revival nights when God answers prayers. But I w I'm waiting for the day that we come to church. Can you give me a little, like, Baptist Pentecostal? Like, you got a little something? A little swing? No? I don't got no? Where, where, where we can go to church and be like, you know what? Oh, pastor, pastor, you can't believe it. I was praying to God for two weeks straight. And guess what happened? God answered my prayer. Yeah, what happened? He told me, no, that's not the one for you. That's not the job for you. That's not the career for I think we can have church about no's. I'm waiting for the day where our church can have revival nights because God said no. Look at the person next to you. Tell them no. And the apostle Paul we can take this off the screen. The Apostle Paul is in this situation where he's asking God for something. He's asking God for a miracle to happen. And I think that when we preach this message, oftentimes we preach this message saying, God will answer your prayer with a yes. And when we hear messages of, of, of prayer, we hear that God will answer your prayer. But I tell you, let me tell you something, God will tell you no sometimes. And guess what? When God tells you no, you don't have to lose your mind. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to leave the church. You don't have to walk away from your purpose. Because it is in God's nose where you will experience his faithfulness. See, it's in God's no that you will experience trusting in God for who he is. And the Apostle Paul is in the middle of this, this experience where the Apostle Paul is saying, God, I'm coming to you, God. God, I'm coming to you because this is big. He's like, I'm not, I'm not praying for a parking spot. I'm not praying for a team to win. I'm not praying to win the lotto. God, I'm really praying like I'm praying, God. Have you ever been there? The Apostle Paul is praying for what keeps him up at night. The Apostle Paul is praying for the thing that is, is a deep desire of his soul. He's actually not praying for something bad. He's not praying for something that is reckless. He's not pray, pain, uh, praying for something that's irresponsible. He's just praying for a genuine thing. He says, I have this thorn in my flesh. And, and throughout the ages, no one has really deciphered what this thorn was. But many people believe that it was either an ailment. Maybe it was a sickness in his life. Some people believe that the Apostle Paul's thorn on his flesh was the memories of his past as he persecuted the Christians and he murdered the Christians. And what he was asking God, he was saying, God, remove this thorn from my flesh because I've received all these revelations and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what you're doing now, but I'm plagued by what, you, what, what happened before. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I, 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 I'm coming to you, God, because this is big. This is huge. This is something that, that, that's plaguing my life. And, and I've had prayer requests like that. 
where I'm God, God, if you would just do this one thing, oh my God, Lord, if you would just do this one thing, I, I, I will serve you better. If you would do this one thing in my life, oh my God, will I praise you. God, if you would just do this one thing, everything in my life would be fixed. And God says, no. God says, no. The Bible says the Apostle Paul goes three times to God. God, I have this thorn in my flesh. Would you take it away, please? The Bible even says, uses this word, beg. He said he pleaded with God. He begged God. And the Bible says he went three times. And I could just imagine the Apostle Paul saying, I I didn't have to pray three times when I was in jail. And I was in chains. And the prison broke. I didn't have to pray three times. I didn't have to pray three times where there was a woman who was demon-possessed and she was a fortune teller. And I spoke to her once and the demon was gone. I didn't have to pray three times when I was preaching and there was a man standing by the window and he fell asleep during my sermon. Watch out now when you fall asleep during preacher's sermons. You might fall out a window and die. This man fell out of a window and I could see Paul. Paul says, I didn't pray three times. I just spoke to him and he was resurrected. But here I am and I'm begging you and nothing is happening. And God says, no. What do you do when God says, no? See, the apostle Paul understood that what God was trying to explain to him was, I want you to experience. See, what we think we want is relief from our problems but God is saying no I want you to experience my grace through your problems see what we want is relief God just rid me from this pain and God is saying no my promise is not a pain-free life my promises in your life is not that you will experience relief from your pain it's that you will experience my grace through it so I want you to picture what is it that you're going through right now that if you can have in a second it be removed you would just have it in a moment that prayer and God is saying no I want you to experience my grace through it and I want you to write this down the first point to today's message is this God's no isn't rejection it's redirection yeah yeah God's no isn't rejection it's redirection when God says no for you it means that what he has for you is better than what you're asking for See, the Apostle Paul thought that relief was greater than grace. But God is saying, listen, if I relieve you of your thorn, you'll never experience this level of grace in your journey with Jesus. See, because the Apostle Paul was going to be known as the Apostle of Grace. The Apostle Paul was going to be the Apostle that was going to speak to millions and millions of people. The Apostle Paul was going to be the one that wrote 13 books of the New Testament, 75% of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul could have done none of those things had had he not experienced God's grace. So God is saying, listen, if I take this away from you, you'll never walk in the purpose that I have for you. And what God is saying, listen, my no is actually a better yes in disguise. Y'all missed that right here. That was a good time to say amen. I'm going to give you another try. He says, he says listen, listen, I need you to, prote- I need to protect you with my no 
so that you won't receive less than my best for your life. See, and so God's no is not rejecting your request. It's redirecting your quest to the purposes that he has for you. See, many times God says no and we feel rejected and God is saying no. I got a better yes for your life. I got a better promise for your life. So every time God says no in your life, let, let serve notice to yourself. Man, if God tells me no, that means he has a better yes in mind. So you're going through pain? God says no. I got a better yes. So you're going through struggles? God says no. I got a better promise. So you're going through a door closed in your face? Guess what? That means that God has a better yes. You thought it was a setback, but God is saying it is a set up for the better yes I have for you. If you believe that there's a better yes for your life, give God some praise in this house. Come on. There's a better yes. I remember that the Lord told me that I was up for a promotion and I was probably the, probably the most qualified person and I say that humbly. I say that humbly. Probably the most qualified person for the position and the Lord told me that that position is yours. And what they were offering at the time I would have taken with no problem. This is a promotion. And I went up for the promotion and I knew that it would raise my pay grade maybe about $3 from what I was making at the time. And so for me, I was just like, wow, praise God, it's a great promotion for me. And when I went up for the interview and they offered me the promotion, I didn't get the job. And I was about to throw a fit, a Pentecostal Holy Ghost filled fit. You know what those like, right? You start rebuking your boss. Tell him, that, get thee behind me, Satan. What's your name? My name is Vanessa. No, what's your name? There's a, no, my name is Gabriel. No, what's your, I know your name. And I remember they denied me the position and I just went home and I just like, I knew that God told me this was my job. I just knew that that position was for me. And the position at that time, the, your pay, your promotion was based upon your current salary. So it was actually, you would receive 30% raise of your salary, of your current salary. And at that moment, I waited like three weeks and I said, God, I don't understand because you promised me this position. And I, I was convinced I heard from the Lord. And I went for the interview and I was suited up. And you guys know I don't wear suits and I wore a suit and everything I was said, I was good. No, denied. Two months later. I'm in my current position, and the company makes a decision to raise, hear me, to raise everyone's pay by 20%. Simultaneously in that same week, not only was my raise raised 20%, the position reopened. And when I went for that position, see, now I didn't receive a raise for my current, I receive a 20% raise, and then upon that raise, I receive another 30% 
raise. And God is saying, listen, if I would have said yes when you wanted me to say yes, you would have got less than what I intended for you. And many of us right now, we want to be satisfied with a yes from God. But God is saying, don't be satisfied with a yes. I need you to be satisfied with a better yes. I need you to be satisfied. I need you to see every time you get a no from me in your life, you need to get excited. You need to jump for joy. You need to start worshiping. Why? Because Oh, no. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because there's a better yes in store for your life. I know they rejected you. I know they said no. I know they didn't want you. But it's because God had something better. That's why I let you go to reunions and you know, like, God, I prayed for that sucker. And thank God you said no. I could have been spending the rest of my life with. Is anybody hearing me today? See, this is what Isaiah says. He says, my thoughts are, not, are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. <laughs> he says, my ways are beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He says, man, like you don't understand the bigness of what I want to give you because your perception is too small. And too many of us have big opinions with small perception. And God's saying, listen, your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He says, you can't imagine what I can see for your life. Just trust in me. Number two, write this down. God's no isn't punishment, it's preparation. God's no isn't punishment, it's preparation. Look what, look, catch this little nuance right here. Look, look, I didn't see this before, but when I was right putting this together, I said, wow, Lord, look at this, look at this, look. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Ooh, you're not catching that, you're not catching that. <laughs> see, God is more concerned with your character than he is with your gifting. And so he says, he says, no, no, you, see, you're misinterpreting my no. You think my no is punishment, my, but my no is actually preparation. And too many of us want what God has for us without being prepared for what God has for us. And God is saying, no, I'm not punishing you. This thorn in your flesh is not punishment. It's actually preparation for what I have for you. And what you don't understand is that if I give you what you're asking for at this moment, I actually stop the development that's taking place in your life. I thank God for pacifiers. I remember my son when he when he was uh, uh, one years old, he, you know, man, those things are miracle workers. I swore I would never use a pacifier until he kept me up at night. Here you go. <laughs> but there came an age in which he was asking me for the pacifier. Watch this. That if I continued to give it to him, I would actually delay his development. And see, sometimes we're asking for God for something that was okay for a season. You're asking for God for something that he gave you when you were a baby in the Lord. He 
he's asking, you're asking for something that you had when you were a baby in the Lord God. I just want to. It's too much? Too much? Too much? You're asking for something that was okay when you were a baby in the Lord, but if I keep giving you that, you'll never grow into who I've called you to be. And too many, too many times we want, we want God's yes for the pacifier. Give me the pacifier. But I was like, Bishop, if I continue to give you this pacifier, you'll never learn how to develop and grow. You'll never learn how to stop crying without the pacifier. You'll never learn how to stop crying without the pacifier. That was okay for a season. But if you ever want to grow and develop, see, it's not punishment. I wasn't punishing my son by telling him no. I was preparing him to grow. Last but not least, I want you to write this down. God's no isn't about knowing why. It's about knowing him. See, because knowing why is understanding intellectually what's going on, but knowing him is heart transformation. See, God says, I give you a no so that you can receive another no. And I give you this no so that you can know me. And the apostle Paul, he says, three times I went to you, God. And three times you told me no, but you said my grace is sufficient. And God is saying, I want you to experience my grace. I want you to develop into who I've called you to be. It's not about head knowledge. It's about heart transformation. See, you think you need big muscle, but God says you need a small miracle. You think you need big muscle, but God says, no, you need a small miracle. And he says, my grace is sufficient. Your plan is not sufficient. Your ideas are not sufficient. Your strategy is not sufficient. Your own direction is not sufficient. But my grace is sufficient. You think me saying yes to you will resolve your problems. But the only thing that will resolve your problem is when you deeply know me. I am a witness to many of us walking with God but not knowing God. I could say this with boldness that, man, I was serving God. I've been serving God since I was 17 years old. And I kid you not, it wasn't until five years ago that I can truly say, I, oh my God, I encountered God. In 2016, Maylene was like, I know who God is, but now I know God is. She's been serving God for 10 years and only until 2016 that she's like, man, I, 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 know, I, know, I know God, but now I know God. I, know, I, I feel like I know about him, but now I know him. And this is what the apostle Paul was experiencing. He was saying, my grace is sufficient. What do you do when God says no? What do you do? I want to draw your attention to this short video. Give nine minutes of your time and I want you to hear what you can do when God says no.
and I come into my junior year, and I'm about to get exactly what I wanted. About to get this thing called NFL. And I'm 10 games away from this dream that I wanted my whole life, right? This thing that I've been working for my whole life. My whole life is dedicated to this one game. I'm up Saturday mornings, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, two miles to a fire station, two miles back home. I'm in the park, 9.30, 10 at night, doing everything in my life surrounded the game of football. I'm sitting at home at night. I'm throwing balls up to the ceiling, and I'm catching them different type of ways, trying to see if a receiver was to check me, if I wanted to catch an interception. Like, everything revolved around this game, and I finally get in the position in my life to where now I'm 10 games away from it. I got the paperwork that states I'm about to be an NFL draft pick. NFL on top of the paper, Inky Johnson projected top 30 automatic multi-millionaire. Now all you have to do, the hard part's over, just play the next 10 football games, Ink, you, you, you've made it. And I go out in a silly game against Air Force, two minutes left, and I go to make a tackle that I can make with my eyes closed. And I hit this guy, and as soon as I hit him, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't think it would be this type of problem. Like, you know how when things happen, you're like, ah, oh, I didn't expect that, but I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. And when I hit him, every breath in my body left. My body goes completely limp. I fall to the ground. I blacked out. My eyes open. I'm still not, you know, too concerned because it's football. I told Pastor, I never thought about a career in an injury. You have injuries within the game. When my eyes open, guys run over, ink, let's rock, man, let's go. Let's finish him off. And I'm like, I, I can't. Like, what do you mean you can't? You're a starting corner. Get up. You can nurse your injury after the game, man. I'm like, no, I can't. They said, what do you mean you can't? I said, I can't move. It's a shock. Neck to my toes. I can't feel anything. Shock leaves. It stays in my right arm and hand. I'm like, maybe I got a bad stinger. They put me on the spine board, willing me off the field. Doctor says to me as he's walking beside me, I don't know how you're still alive, son. You don't have any pulse. We get to the ambulance. My father's standing there. I'm like, Pops, I laid it on him, right? I put it on him, right? My dad's like, yeah, but I think you got the worst part of this one, ain't? Doctor say, we're going to take you over, run a couple tests, bring you back into the room. Everything will be cool. They run the test. They bring me back into the room. Mom comes in, kisses, prays. Son, you'll be fine. She's going to walk out. Doctors rush in. Head boy says, hey, ma'am, got to rush him back to surgery. He's about to die. And I look at him, and I want to ask him, like, man, you can't use another word. Like, use a synonym, brother. How y'all say die? Like, you sure die, man? And he could tell from how I'm looking at him that I'm questioning him. And he says to me, you ruptured a subclavian artery in your chest. You're bleeding internally. If we don't perform this surgery tonight, I guarantee you, you won't be here in the morning. seven years old to 20 years old boiled down to one moment. The sacrifice, the dedication, the commitment came down to one moment. And the next morning I woke up from that surgery, the NFL on my scale of life that big. SEC championship that big. Cornerback, I was embarrassed. I'm sitting there and people coming into my room like, Inky, man, um, I'm sorry about what happened to you. And I'm saying to myself, uh, man, Inky, you really messed it up this time. 
Like, man, that's really the only thing you wanted, huh? Like, you just thought because you grew up in this um, so-called hood, two-bedroom home, 14 people. Like, the only thing you really wanted was the NFL. That's it. I'm like, man, you limited God to that. Like, life holds no substance, no value. Like, efficient but not effective. I did things right, but I never did the right thing. And now the thing I placed my identity in, now it was gone. That's why I laugh at people when they say, man, if I could just get this, I'll be. Man, if I could just get this position, I'll be. Woo! Man, if I could just get this amount of money, I'll be. I'm like, woo. But what happens even if you get it or you don't get it? What happens when God says yes and no? Like, do you have the ability to accept what you don't understand? Can you still see God's plan when it didn't go the way that you thought it would go? Can you handle when things get off course? I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, man, I'm eight games away and God is redirecting me. And I'm like, God, just let me get to the NFL, then redirect me. Like, let me get the contract, then redirect me so I can help my family. And God is like, no, son, I need you to really go that way. And I'm like, you sure? Like, man, I need to go this way. He's like, no, I need you to go this way. I got something greater for you. Now, it might take a little longer to manifest, but I got something even sweeter. Like, I got something more fulfilling. I got something more rewarding. I got something, son, that's going to carry you for the rest of your life. Like, it's an amazing thing. I knew this was what I was supposed to be doing when one day I'm backstage and I got the same feeling that I got when I used to be in the tunnel before I was running out of Neyland Stadium. I said, thank you, God. And so now I live my life a certain type of way according to what God has done. I live my life a certain type of way according to the power that I know the Lord possesses. I live my life a certain type. Like when I go to the Lord in prayer, I go bold. And every time I go bold, I'm so thankful that that's not me and my Lord's first time communicating. And people have the nerve to ask me all the time, Inky, why wouldn't you change what happened to you? You got a paralyzed right arm and hand. I'm like, if you only knew and if you only saw the works that God has done in people's lives around me, what he's done in me, yeah, it's great, it's cool. But what God has done in the people's lives around me, like, you can't put a price on that. Like, at a certain point, like, what is it really about? Like, and I know the initial reaction when we go through things is to say, man, why did this have to happen to me? And it's an honest reaction. Because sometimes good people go through some crazy stuff. And some of the things we go through, I'm going to just be real, it's not, a, it's not a scripture for it. It's not. You can't go, hey, go to Romans 2-2. They're like, what? It's not. But this is what I've understood. In life, some people don't need you to preach a sermon. They need you to live one. And so when they see you living it, they can connect and identify with that. The only thing I ask of you, as talented, as brilliant, as powerful, as beautiful as you are, never allow life to make you forget why you started in the first place. Meaning that first time you said, man, I'm riding with Christ, let's go. That first feeling you got, like that first interaction, that first connection you got, like when you first got it. It's like when people say at at the beginning, everybody's excited, everybody is on fire, but at a certain point, you hit something along the journey, and it's going to test that level of commitment. At a certain point, you're going to hit something, it's going to test that level of faith, and my definition of commitment was always staying true to what I said I would do long after the mood that I've set it in has left. 
Like, am I going to stay true to my beliefs and my core and my essence of who I am as an individual, even if I get a paralyzed right arm and hand? Am I going to stay true to it, even if my little career that I thought I was going to have disappears? Am I going to stay true to it, even if one day I'm in a football game, the thing I love to do, the thing I have been practicing my whole life, and in one moment it gets wiped out? Am I going to stay true to it? Because depending upon if I'm going to stay true to it, a lot of other people's belief in their Christian journey is predicated upon that and my belief in my Christian journey. In other words, I've seen a lot of other people say, Inky, I want to give my life to Christ, not because of something that happened with me, but because of something I've seen happen to you. And so when ESPN comes to me and say, Ink, you wouldn't be in the NFL right now? I'm like, if you only knew. If you only knew my father got saved because of my injury. If you only knew, my three boys that went first round to the NFL, all of them got saved. If you only knew. If you only knew, my mother, the level of her faith, like, if you only knew. Like, I just seen God do some things through the injury, and I'm like, man, I just, every day I wake up, I just try to stay out of his way. I'm going to leave you with this. We already know what to do when God says Yes. We already know what to do when we get blessed. We already know what to do when our prayers get answered. But the question that I have for you in this rhetorical, what will you do when God says no? What will you do when God says no? I'm not going to take more of your time. I really believe that God has already spoken to you tonight or today. And I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet right now because God believe God is going to do something in your life today. And there's something that you've been struggling with and you've been asking God for over and over and over and over and over again. And it literally feels like a thorn is piercing your flesh. But here's the truth. This, this is the truth of the gospel. That the reason that God's grace was sufficient for the apostle Paul was because the Apostle Paul had a thorn on his flesh. But Jesus wore a crown of thorns and crucified his flesh. And today God is saying, do you trust me? Because my grace is sufficient. What, what is it? What is the thing that's been keeping you up at night? What's the thing that just plagues you and it pierces you and it pierces you? And, it, and God is saying, listen, you're asking for relief from it, but I'm saying my grace is sufficient. Oh, you don't know the grace of God until you experience the level of my grace is sufficient. And so I'm not going to take up any more of your time. You know what you need to lay at this altar. You know, and God is saying today that you will experience the efficient grace of God today. Just come to this altar. One, two, three. Make your way to this altar. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.